place in Exodus 3 and 4. We're going to be there in a minute. I'm going to begin by reading from Hebrews 3, and I'd love for you to look there with me. Hebrews chapter 3. physically able, uh, would you stand with us this morning? Again, it's good to see all of you. It's good to see some unfamiliar faces, maybe some uh, some family. We do welcome all of you and hope you, uh, again, as Pastor Ray said, if you're local, that he charges us for mileage coming as far as he does, but... <laughs> Uh, if you're local uh, or somewhat local, as he said, hope you'll make plans to join us this Wednesday at 645. We've already mentioned care groups that meet today. Typically, they do meet on the third Sunday of the month, and we're here with very few exceptions uh, on Wednesday nights, on every Wednesday night. So let's, uh, let's continue in prayer for a moment before we read. Would you bow with me? And uh, you can pray silently for just a moment, and then I'll lead us in prayer. Oh, Lord, we bow before you. It is with you that we have to do. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So according to your word, Lord, your word that is sharper than a two-edged sword that penetrates, according to what you say, even in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, Lord, help us as believers as those who claim the name of Christ, to pay much closer attention to what we have heard. We've heard it. We need to hear it every day. Help us to exhort one another. Lord, we're mindful and grateful that that not every single person here claims the name of Christ. And uh, we're grateful for those who are here. And we pray that today might be the day of salvation, that we would be most grateful for your work of redemption applied by the Holy Spirit in all of our lives. Lord, help us to see that this morning, that salvation belongs to the Lord as we read in in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. Jonah, that most reluctant prophet, help us to see, Lord, that we are weak, you are strong, Your arm, your hand, way stronger than Pharaoh's, than ours. And we praise you this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. You could remain standing. Let's look at this. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 3, the Bible says, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, 
Just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. That's who we're talking about this morning, Moses. Hebrews 3.3, For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. Notice it says of Christ, son, not servant. Notice it says, is, not was. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting and our hope. So let's this morning pick up where we left off. I think it was December the 18th. Let's pick up where we left off uh, back in Exodus 3-4. I'm going back there now. You can as well. You can be seated. So as I said, it was uh, December the 18th, and we were, after looking at the last 14 chapters of Genesis and looking at Joseph, we were looking at Moses and just the early chapters of the book of Exodus at this, at this time. Maybe more later, that'd be great. It's a, it's a fabulous book. Uh, but we were, and we'll, we'll resume now on this third Sunday of January where we left off. And so our text today is Exodus 3 and 4. Uh, let me just say... Uh, that's, we'll only go through verse 17 of chapter 4, so we're not going all the way through chapter 4. Let me also say that on December the 18th, we also looked at Exodus 3, 1 through 10. Just to say that when I mention Exodus 3 through 4, we want to keep in mind both chapters, but we're not looking at, at everything there. That's, that's a good bit of material. What's the, uh, what's the defining mark of the Christian? Can answer in your minds. You can conjecture, answer in your mind. What's what's the mark of the believer? Well, you really could say it's it's the one who perseveres to the end. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Let me remind you of one of Jesus's little parables. Uh, we looked at this last year. Let me remind you of what he says. He says, "What do you think?" A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I go, sir. I I will. I go. But did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They answered Jesus in his parable, the first. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. It matters, if we claim the name of Christ this morning, it matters how we finish. It matters how we end. It's not to say that how you start doesn't matter at all. It matters how you start. 
It must be a true start. But what matters for the believer is perseverance to the end. And we praise God as we teach and we try to emphasize that it is God who preserves us. It is God who preserves His chosen people. We would not make it to the end if it were up to us. So remember that little parable of Jesus I just read to you is from Matthew chapter 21. Let's always remember that. The parable of the two sons. The first son did not start well. He said, Dad, I'm not going to go work like you told me to go work. But then he did. The second son highlights what is actually a problem. I will do it. I, I walked the altar. I was baptized. I have my name on the roll of the church. And you live, and you live in a way that is not at all like the Scriptures say that the Holy Spirit of God causes a person to live who is a Christian. Why do I bring this up? I bring this up today because what we have in Exodus 3-4 through very simply is this. Let me tell you. In these two chapters of the Bible, we have God calling Moses, and Moses actually ends up saying no, and he becomes a very reluctant leader of God's people. That's what we have today. We have Moses, listen to me, Moses, the reluctant leader of God's people. But what matters for us, friends, what matters for us, if you're, a, if you're a fellow believer by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, what matters is that we ultimately answer the call. And that's what we see that he does here today. Well, look at this with me. There's some, just some beautiful things. Let me just begin by just highlighting just some wonderful verses, or at least one wonderful verse here in our text today. And again, what is this? This is Exodus 3 through 4. This is the call of Moses. Kind of like uh, we see this all throughout the Old Testament. We see the call of Ezekiel. And we see the call of Jeremiah. And the call of Isaiah. There's actually a lot of similarities between these Old Testament narratives, these stories when God calls people. Or the call of Joshua. Today is the call of Moses. And he's a reluctant leader. Well, one beautiful verse is verse 11 of chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 11. Again, let me just highlight a verse here. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now that's not a theologian who has his own perspective who happens to agree with with those who teach the sovereignty of God, and this is my theology. This is God speaking here in chapter 4, verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Look at it again. Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Now we, friends, we do live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. Genesis chapters 3 and 4. We need to understand that God is the creator of everything. He created us. He created the world that we inhabit. He, through Jesus Christ, gives us life and breath. 
He created everything. He created us as the pinnacle made in the image of God. And he pronounced it what? Good. Good. And man, male and female, made in the image of God, he pronounced not only good, but very good. And we, we rebelled against God in our first parents, Adam and Eve. We freely chose to rebel against God to shake our puny little fists at God. What a ridiculous thing. And we live in a fallen world. And in this fallen world in which we live, because of our sin, we have things like blindness and people who are mute and deaf. You know, there's so much beauty. Pastor Ray prayed a beautiful poem. I don't know. I I enjoy a, a decent variety of music and there's so much beauty. I don't know if you know the name of one of the uh, better tenors in the world today, Andrea Bocelli. And if you know the name of Andrea Bocelli, if not, that's okay. Then you know that this man has a beautiful tenor voice and you know that also that he's blind. And uh, so I just did the most basic of research and he's an Italian tenor. He's a a multi-instrumentalist. He was born, he was born visually impaired with congenital glaucoma. And at the age of 12, Bocelli became completely blind following a brain hemorrhage resulting from a football accident. So there are causes, right? There are, there, there's the cause of a football accident that leads to a brain hemorrhage. There's also the cause of, of a fallen world, a cursed and fallen world. But John chapter 9 and Exodus 4.11, friends, if nothing else, the creation of the world, Genesis 1 and 2 says, God is God and we are not. If God created us, then we are not creator, we are creature. And if God created us and we did not create ourselves, then we owe God our dependence and our thanks and our allegiance. And God himself says here, Moses, Moses, your excuses are ultimately irrelevant. Who made man's mouth? Who made man mute or deaf or singer? Say, wow, wow, that's God talking, friends. That's God speaking. God is overall. Well, in the, in the way of just pointing out a couple of other things here, I pointed out verse 4, 11. How about, uh, how about the very end of chapter 3? The very, the, literally the very end of chapter 3. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. That makes me think of what Jesus said when he said, How can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Jesus said, If it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come among you. There's another little nugget, if you will. Exodus 3, verse 22. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. If you know the story, and we're, we're going to get into it a little bit, if you know the story, God's people 
God's people, the people of Israel, under the providence of God, under the providence of God, have been subject to hard slave labor. And it's almost as though he says, oh no, my people have been working uh, very unfairly, unjustly, slaving away for all of these years. No, you, you will go away with plunder. You will be paid. You will be paid for your labor, and we will use that Egyptian gold and stuff to build the tabernacle later on. Well, let's notice two things. Okay, If you're taking notes on paper or in your mind, here's two things. The second will be this. It's the one who appointed the reluctant leader. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says that Jesus was faithful, what? To the one who appointed him. So the second thing that we'll see from the text is the one who appointed the reluctant leader. But the first thing that we want to see is the reluctant leader himself. The reluctant leader himself. Now notice that when I say the reluctant leader, I'm talking about who? I'm talking about Moses. What is this passage this morning? It is the call of Moses by God to serve as leader of his people, Israel. So don't forget on this first point, on this first point, which is the reluctant leader, although the Lord himself appointed Moses as leader over Israel, Moses was reluctant. Don't forget that God appointed Moses as leader. Friends, did you know God is the initiator? God is the one who calls. God is the actor. God is the one who always makes the first move. We move in response to God's move. He's the initiator. He's the one who calls. And so this is just so basic, but just just don't forget this most basic thing that the Lord appointed Moses. This is what this is what God does. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1. God did not choose many people who were wise in this world. God did not choose many people who were strong in this world. God did not choose many people who were rich in this world. But when you look at the people that God did choose, you often see very ordinary people who were going about very ordinary lives. Praise God, this is an encouragement to us that in our ordinary, seemingly mundane lives, Francis Schaeffer said, there are no small people. There are no small people. In our ordinary, seemingly mundane lives, praise the Lord for 1 Corinthians chapter 1. God did not choose many. He chose some, but not many who were strong, who were wise according to this world, who were wealthy according to this world. And that's what we see with Moses. What I'm trying to say to you is that Moses wasn't looking for the call of God. God was looking to Moses. Not because Moses was qualified. You've heard the phrase, right? You've heard it. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. You heard that before. It's pretty good, right? God doesn't call the qualified. Moses, I see you. I see that you've responded in believing in me. And so therefore, no, Moses, I see your comp, I see your skill set. You're the leader that I need. God doesn't need anyone. That's what it means to be God. Do you see? So God, again, according to the saying, God qualifies the called. God calls. God qualifies. 
The presence of God. That's what leadership is about. It's the presence of God. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3, please. Again, what's our heading here? Moses, the reluctant leader. Moses, uh, would you notice this? He's not looking for this. He's just doing his very mundane job. Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said in Exodus 3, 3, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When Yahweh, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. God called to him. God takes the initiative. Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Stop there for just a quick second. Please remember what I told you earlier, Genesis 1 and 2. We must know that God is the creator of us and of everything. We are not the creator. And let me tell you, friends, this creator God is a holy God. He is not to be trifled with. We are sinners by birth and by choice. He is not tainted by sin at all. Habakkuk chapter 1 His eyes are too pure to look upon evil. His eyes are too pure to look upon evil. Moses, most do not come near. Verse 6, look at this. And he said, I am. And you think about Jesus, right? What did Jesus say? Before Abraham was, I am. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. The same is true today. God knows his people. He knows. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Are you looking at this with me? Verse 7. Because of their taskmasters, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land Let me stop and say salvation belongs to the Lord. He says, I have come down to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. God's leaders, God's greatest leaders in human history are bare instruments in the hand of God. They are only, only weak, frail instruments in the hand of God. Why do I say that? I say it because of the text. Because it says again in verse 8, I have come down to deliver them. Go back to the end of chapter 2. Verse 23. Let me remind you of the first heading. Listen to me. 
although the Lord himself appointed Moses as leader over Israel, Moses was very reluctant to accept this call. In 2.23, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came to Moses. No, came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. If God is not for God, then we have no hope. If God is not for God, friends, he's a jealous God. God is out for his own glory. Our salvation, and if you are saved, the only way that you can be from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ this morning, it is because God is faithful, listen to me, to his covenant. It is because God is a promise-making, faithful, promise-keeping God. What did it say there at the end of chapter 2? God, in verse 24, heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a covenant that he had cut. Salvation is so wonderful through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, salvation is so broad and so wonderful. You know, in salvation, God doesn't just take us out of what's bad. He brings us into what's good, if I can say it like that. It's very clear in this text that God's purpose, the purpose of God was to bring them out of something very bad, which is slavery, but not to leave them. God does not leave us there. Consider the promises of God. In the new covenant, in the new covenant, he brings us out of a greater bondage, the bondage to Satan, sin, and self, and he brings us ultimately to be with him in the new heavens and the new earth. In the old covenant, he brought them out of, out of physical bondage, the bondage that foreshadowed the bondage that was the the type of our spiritual bondage. He brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh, and he brought them where? He brought them to the promised land. Do you see? This is the salvation of our God. God does He never saves people to put you in a neutral position. Praise the Lord. He doesn't bring you out of the bad and say, now you're neutral. Now you're on your own. No way, no how. He brings us out of the bad. He brings us he brings us into the good. And the good is what he defines. It's the promised land, and in the new covenant, it's the new heavens and the new earth. It's to know God. This is the good. This is the ultimate good, to know Jesus Christ. To behold the king in his beauty. One of my favorite books by one of my professors is called The King and His Beauty. It's right out, that, that phrase is right out of Scripture. To see the, That's the goal. For the Christian, for the church, to see the king in his beauty. Friends, Moses was a reluctant leader. Let me show you that five times. Look at this. Look at verse 11. Let me show you five times that Moses was a reluctant leader. Now get the, get the flow here. So read verse 10, 310. Look at 310. 
Come, God says, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Again, let me just remind you, what is this? What are these two chapters? It's the call of Moses. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? That's number one. Look at verse 13. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? Do you see Moses, the reluctant leader? How about chapter 4, verse 1? Remember chapter 4, boys and girls? There's three different signs that God gave Moses. You know the second sign? Moses, put your hand in your cloak. Takes it out, it's leprous. Moses, put your hand back in your cloak. Takes it out, it's just like the rest of his flesh. It's all healthy. God's powerful. God is powerful. What does he say in verse 1? Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say the Lord did not appear to you. You see that there in chapter 4, verse 1? You see the similarity with 3.13? With 3.11, I said there were five. How about verse 10 of chapter 4? But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. That's number four, and that, that's what leads into Andrea Bocelli in verse 11. Verse 13. Verse 13 of chapter 4. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. And all throughout this, in 3.11, 3.13, 4.1, stop, God has been patient with Moses' reluctance until verse 13, right? Did you see that in chapter 4, verse 13? Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then what? Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, isn't there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, 415. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you and to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. By the way, 4.17 and 4.2 show you what this whole section in chapter 4 is about. And what would that be if you look at 4.2 and 4.17? It would be about the staff, which if you were to keep reading a few more verses, is called the staff of God. So Moses was a reluctant leader. tell you a true story that I came across from history, from church history. In 1718, a Norwegian pastor's wife named Gertrude Rask received God's call to become a missionary. 1718, she's Norwegian. She receives God's call to become a missionary. Her husband Hans was preparing to leave their homeland and take the gospel to Greenland. But Gertrude was not ready to go, and with good reason. She was 45 years old at the time, with four children to care for, and the youngest barely a year old. It would be a dangerous journey for all of them, and Gertrude herself did not have a strong constitution. 
The family's biographer reports that when Hans announced his plans, his own and his wife's friends wrote to express their severest reprobation. His mother-in-law, mother-in-law, his mother-in-law further inflamed the feeling against him and even his wife, even his wife began to hint that she kind of wished that she had never married a man who would put his family at risk by saying, God has called us to go share the gospel in Greenland. No, honey, we've got four kids and one of them is one year old and I'm 45 and I'm physically weak. I came across this from Philip Riken, who has a wonderful title for this passage. Here am I, send someone else. That's Moses. I, did, you, did you see that in the text? That's, that's verse 13. There's five ways he's a reluctant leader. And it climaxes when he says, no. Here am I. We know the scripture. Here am I, Lord. Send me. That's, that's the good answer, right? Here, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send someone else. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Well, by the way, Riken goes on to tell about Miss Gertrude and Hans was patient with his wife, recognizing that he needed to be patient. And that was a good thing. And they took the matter in prayer before the Lord. And she ended up, when he became in doubt, right before they were about to leave for Greenland to take the gospel to Greenland, he doubted. And she said, no, we, sh we need to go. As the Lord had united both of their, their hearts in that endeavor. Moses was a reluctant leader. But let me show you the one who appointed the reluctant leader. I don't put, I'm not saying I put a ton of stock in this, but there are 10 things extremely quickly. Remember, there were five evidences, five. What were they? What were they? There were five questions, five concerns that Moses had. Well, what, what about this, Lord? What about this? What about this? What about no? Can you please get somebody else? Leadership has everything to do with the presence of God and basically nothing to do with the qualifications of the person who is called by God to lead. It has everything to do with the presence of God. Let me just show you at least a few of these. How about, how about the one who appointed the reluctant leader? Remember, friends, that most basic of truths, the Lord appointed Moses. The Lord appointed Moses. 3-6. 3.6 I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. You know, the same thing is true today. With the questions that we have, with the questions that we have, what is the best answer that God can give us? Is to give us himself. Is to answer by saying, look at me. Look at who I am. Look at my nature. Look at what I have done and what I will do. I'm the God of Jacob. Uh, verse 7, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. How about verse 8? I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. How about verse 12? Chapter 3, verse 12. Get this and get a vision of God from the Scriptures. He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. 
when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. How about verse 14? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to this people of Israel, I am sent me to you. How about verse 20? I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. How about verse 21? I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. Chapter 4, verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Verse 12 of chapter 4, now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And verse 15, you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, chapter 4, verse 15, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both, will teach you both what to do. Glance over very quickly to Exodus chapter 33. Here is the sum of the matter. Here is the sum of the matter. Exodus 33, 14. Leadership this week may be in your home. It may be at your job, whether you have an official position of leadership or not. Maybe somehow in the church or in the community. God qualifies the called. The essence of leadership is verse 33, chapter 33, verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he, who's the, who's the he? That's Moses. Notice this. He said to him, you learn, you learn. If your presence will not go with me, then do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct? I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth, Moses learned. Moses was a reluctant leader. Listen, it, it's, a, it's a problem and it's a sin if we do not answer God's call immediately. But the biggest issue by the grace of God is to ultimately answer the call. Father, I will not work for you changed his mind, and he went into the vineyard. The ultimate issue is that Moses answered the call. And how do any of us do it? How do any of us do it? The presence of God. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Here's what we saw today. Here's what we noticed. This is how I would summarize it. Moses, I'm calling you. Lord, I'm not ready. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. Listen to me. I'm calling you. I'm not ready. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. Here's who I am. Here's who I am. This is my nature. Look to my promises. What he did not say was, Moses, come on. You, you got this, Moses. Come on, Moses. You got this. Have a little bit more confidence. I'm calling you to lead the people of Israel. Isn't that great? No, 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 no. He doesn't say have more self-confidence. He says in many ways I'm calling you precisely because of your weakness. So that I will get all the glory. 
as Moses, John chapter 3, John chapter 3, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, you can read about that later in the book of Numbers. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, kind of like today, throw your staff on the ground. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so, the Son of Man was lifted up. Jesus Christ on the cross, lifted up as a banner and as the Savior of sinners for everyone who will repent and believe. Hebrews chapter 3, God appointed Jesus faithful in all things. Look to him this morning. Let's pray. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Have mercy. Grant to us to believe and to repent and to keep repenting, to keep on believing. Lord, we thank you that Moses was faithful in what you appointed him. He was very flawed. He was very weak. We thank you that Hebrews chapter 3 says that our Lord Jesus was faithful in everything, not as a servant, but as a son. So even as John chapter 3 tells us that Moses lifted up the servant, may we look to Jesus Christ. May we look up. Help us this morning. Help us as Crossway Church. Help us to look up to the cross. But Lord, let us look up not only to the cross, but to the resurrection. And let us look up not only to the resurrected Lord, but to the one who has ascended, to the one who is at your right hand even now. Lift up our gaze, lift up our chins, lift up our faces as only you can do. That we may see him lifted up. Thank you, Lord, that you bring us into a good place. That you never leave us in a neutral place. That you work all things together for the good of those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.